is Jared and the GM on ESPN 1025, the game. Floyd Reese, how are you today? I am outstanding. Good, good, good. So the weather turns. Ian and I have button-down shirts with sweaters on, and Floyd is in full Patriot sweats. He's got a Patriots hoodie on. He's got the Patriot sweatpants on. He's got, I mean, you know, Ian and I are over here trying to dress for work, and here's Floyd. This this is dress for work. Not, 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 <laughs> this not is sports. Your last I'm job. wearing sports. <laughs> That's your last job. It is amazing. When you were general manager of the Titans, you wore a three-piece suit every day to work. Oh, God. Now you wear – then you went to the Patriots, you wore sweats. Now you wear polo shirts every time we go out, thanks to Authentically American. Or you wear – you wear polo shirts every day during the summer. You wear polo short, short, uh, polo shirts and khaki shorts, and then when the weather, you just wear sweats. You, this is not New England. It's it's so nice to not have to think about what you're going to wear. Okay, you know, Steve Jobs. Wear, Sounds wear, like uh, Harbaugh with the khakis. Yeah, he's like, wear, I like the khakis, so it. I don't have to figure out what hey, I'm going to wear. When you wear a suit every day, it's, you know, where's the right tie? Which color shirt? Which are my shoes polished? Are my now? You know, whatever's closest in the closet. Steve Jobs used to wear the same clothes every day, like a black turtleneck and and jeans, because then he didn't take any time to take. Okay. So the Titans, Ryan Tannehill is the starter against the Chargers. But I think we all know, first of all, a loss on Sunday probably ends the season. To be honest with you, I kind of feel like the season's already over anyways. But there's always some kind of chance somewhere, somehow, because this is the NFL. Until you're mathematically eliminated, there's always a chance. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we are where we are as far as the Titans are concerned. But there are a lot of people who I think invested a lot into Marcus Mariota. Not just money, not just... But, like, you know, the time and all the games. And, you know, he played, he has started 20 more games in his career than Vince Young got. That Mariota has started, has started the most games uh, since Steve McNair retired or since Steve McNair's last start with the Titans. Mariota has started the most games by 20. 20 more, 61 to 41. 20 more than Vince Young. That's how much the Titans have invested in Mariota. And there's a lot of reasons maybe why it didn't work out. It could be his fault. It could not be his fault. We analyzed all of that yesterday. But Rashard Matthews was on the midday show today. And Chase texted me yesterday and said, hey, you got to listen to Rashard Matthews when he comes on tomorrow at 11 uh, because, you know, it's Rashard Matthews. And to be honest with you, there's a chance Rashard Matthews could say anything. So, of course, I had to listen. And I did. And the one thing Matthews kept harping on was a guy who's played with both quarterbacks, was the leadership angle surrounding Mariota. Now, remember what Eric Decker said, and remember what DeMarco Murray said? You know, if Marcus could just be more vocal, was kind of the gist of what both Eric Decker and DeMarco Murray said publicly. They said, oh, no, great teammate, great guy, good player, but if he could just be more vocal. And Rashard Matthews was on the Midday Show today, and he was talking about the difference between what Tannehill will demand and what Marcus does with the wide receivers. I think, you know, Marcus has had a lot of chances. Um, you know, I've been with Ryan, and I, I feel like, you know, he's going to do a, a great job uh, at demanding, um, you know, greatness from those guys. He's going to show up every day. He's going to lead vocally. You know, he's going to have that, that genuine leadership. It's not going to be forced upon him. And, you know, um, it just sucks because, you know, obviously Marcus is a great guy. 
nobody wants any uh, bad things for him. But at that position, you know, you got to be able to to lead and do it, you know, uh, genuinely, and you got to be able to want want that. And you know, that's what that's what those guys need. So Floyd, you've constantly said if Marcus goes in there and tries to act a way that he's not genuinely feeling, then those guys are going to see right through that. You heard him just say genuinely twice. Twice. And he goes on to remember the people that say, hey, just because Marcus isn't a rah-rah guy doesn't mean he's not a leader. This is what Richard Matthews said. He loves being a leader, but, you know, in high school and college, you can you can be that uh, that silent leader. But when you get in the league, like, you're around grown men. you got to demand greatness from grown men. you got to they got to be able to, you know, see that every day and, and not just, you know, um, every now and then. And uh, I think John and, and Vrabel and, and everybody and Arthur, you know, uh, I think they're, they're doing a, a great job at bringing guys in to, to do those, you know, to, to make it easy. But, you know, at the end of the day, the, the quarterback has to be the leader of the team. He has to be vocal. He can't be uh, forced to be vocal. You know, and I think that's kind of what's, what's hurt Marcus a little bit, you know, is having that chemistry. So the the three words I took away from those two clips right there, genuine, demand, vocal, is that where Marcus Mariota failed? And is that the difference between Tannehill maybe coming in here and turning things around and Mariota? Well, I mean, I think it's going to be a giant plus for Tannehill. I mean, just because it's something they have not experienced. I mean, the truth is, if, you, if you're if you a leader, you know, those things kind of have to come from your gut because if you have something that you say all the time, pretty soon it gets meaningless. You know, they just turn that off. Um, you know, so, I, I mean, I think that should be – we talked about it a little bit yesterday. I think that should be a plus for him. I think he'll be more vocal. I think he'll be more demanding. So, you know, I, I don't – Do you think that's where Marcus failed? I mean, being vocal and demanding doesn't have you bounce a five-yard out. I know, but you act like Marcus has bounced five-yard outs for his entire career. Let, let me say this. He's thrown a lot of bad plays, a lot of bad passes. I know, but Sunday was an all-time low. Wow. I mean, you. I've got 61 I starts. I that is 61st of those starts in his career. That That's the worst he's ever played. That's one game. I don't think – I think that um, ultimately – it could end up hurting you from the standpoint that you don't demand perfection in the patterns, you don't demand perfection from the receivers, then there you're not going to get it. And so if you're hesitant to throw the ball because you're not sure exactly where it's going to be, maybe that is your fault. I think Marcus does not do a good job of holding people accountable. And I go back to training camp when Anthony Ferkser fumbled the football. And remember I told you, I said, I wanted to, I watched Marcus as Ferkser. How do you fumble the ball when you're not even tackling? And Ferkser fumbled the ball in a training camp practice. And I watched Marcus. And I remember because I said to you, I watched Marcus as soon as Ferkser fumbled the ball. Is Marcus going to go over to Ferkser and say, hey, you catch the ball or I won't throw you the ball? So you either catch it, hold on to it, or you will not play here. Or, and you said, I bet you Marcus just went over there and tapped him on the helmet. And that's exactly what Marcus did. And if there's anything, you know, I tried to believe what the coaches and what everybody was telling me that you can be a quarterback and, and be everybody's buddy and, all, and you can't be. You can't be. You cannot be non-confrontational and play that position. 
And I, I do believe, now I think what's gotten to Marcus this year is the pressure. Like, I think when Marcus says things like, I don't worry about the contract and I don't think about things outside, I think he's lying. I mean, I think he was thinking about, hey, this is my chance to submit my legacy, or not submit my legacy, but to create, you know, to submit myself as the franchise quarterback here, and I better not screw it up, and then everything just snowballed because he put too much pressure on himself. I, I am convinced that that led to what, what we're watching this year. But overall, I think the lack of his holding receivers accountable from Kendall Wright to Justin Hunter to Corey Davis to all of these guys, I think that has been what has that lack of, and I'm not saying it's a lack of fire because you talk to everybody, they say how competitive Mariota is, but that lack, like that, those people that say you don't need to be rah-rah, I'm not convinced that that's true at that position. And I think Rashard Matthews is telling you that. Well, I mean, there's a difference between rah-rah and being demanding. I mean, they're not talking about him being a cheerleader. You know, you're, you're talking about, hey, if you're supposed to run a 12-yard out and you run it at 10, you, the guy needs to know that, hey, that's not 12. Well, it's almost 12. No, it's not 12. If you're not going 12, I'm not throwing you the ball. And, you know, things like that. But, you don't, you know, it's not necessarily rah-rah uh, as much as it is, you know, making a guy do what he's supposed to do. And, and coaches are doing the same thing, but I've told you a thousand times. I mean, as a former coach and somebody that really took pride in being able to communicate with players and et cetera, I could tell a guy to do something 15 times, and he would mess it up the 16th time. You have one of the veteran players go over and tell him, hey, you need to do this. It was done. It was cleaned up. Oh, okay, you know, kind of thing. And uh, and I think that's what the quarterback, that's the kind of clout the quarterback has. And do you think that Marcus failed in that regard? Oh, I don't know. I haven't been around him. I am convinced he failed in that regard. I remember when Kendall Wright, who sucked, one time threw a fit about how he wasn't getting the ball, and they asked Marcus, Marcus, we'll get him the ball. And I'm thinking, Kendall Wright's run, guys had run the wrong route, Marcus at the press conference, that's my fault. And that was early in his career. And I believe that he didn't. He does not hold guys accountable because he is not a confrontational person. And I don't think you can be demanding in any line of work if you're not willing to be confrontational. Like, you can't be the CEO of a company and not be ready to deal with confrontation. Yeah, I mean, that could be right. I mean, when you were GM, how much yeah. confrontation did you deal with? Oh, I'm, I mean, we were in a confrontational business. That's so my we, point. We so were, is the quarterback. We were in confrontation all the time. And, and, he's, something. and I think Richard Matthews is pointing out that Mariota is not willing to demand that from people like Ryan Tannehill is. And I'm not saying Tannehill's going to do it, but I'm thinking that that, just listening to Matthews, that's where Mariota failed. It's the same thing Eric Decker brought up. It's the same thing DeMarco Murray brought up. And to be honest with you, as someone who believes in Marcus, kind of, I'm not sure you can fix that. Oh, that's a personality thing. You can't fix that. You heard him say genuine twice. He's obviously tried to do it, and it has not worked. Let's so. take your phone calls, because I have another theory about this, too, about what Richard Matthews said about, again, genuine leader, demanding, vocal. The things that he thinks Tannehill is better at than Mariota. 
737-1025. Plus, what Ryan Tannehill says about being a leader now that he's a starting quarterback and why there's a little, I'm not going to say hidden message in there, but definitely maybe pointing to something that, that has to do with Marcus's leadership skills. We'll get to that coming up next. 615-737-1025, live from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. Jared in the GM, CSPN 1025, the game. As a starter, are you more outspoken? Do you, do you speak up and say things more? Do you, how do you handle that transition uh, that goes with the job? Yeah, no doubt. I think just part of the the responsibility of backup is to, to kind of know your role and and navigate that through uh, through meetings, through time on the practice field, and um, you know sometimes I, you do have to hold your tongue and, and not speak up when you want to. So um, now I'm able to to really just be me, uh, lead the way I want to lead, and uh, speak up and hold guys accountable. Hold guys accountable. Ryan Tannehill saying, "Hey, when you're the backup, you're a backup, and sometimes you got to hold your tongue." Now I'm the starter, and I'm going to lead the way I lead and hold guys accountable. Which goes back to what Rashard Matthews said, Floyd, on the Midday Show when talking about the difference between Mariota and Tannehill. I think, you know, Marcus has had a lot of chances. Uh, you know, I've been with Ryan, and I, I feel like, you know, he's going to do a, a great job uh, at demanding, um, you know, greatness from those guys. He's going to show up every day. He's going to lead vocally. You know, he's going to have that, that genuine leadership. It's not going to be forced upon him. And, you know, um, it just sucks because, you know, obviously Marcus is a great guy. Nobody wants any uh, bad things for him. But at that position, you know, you got to be able to, to lead and do it, you know, uh, genuinely. And you got to be able to want want that. And, you know, that's what, that's what those guys need. Demand from the receiver, accountable from the quarterback. To me, that's the difference. Now, I got kind of two thoughts here. Number one, I feel like it's too late in the season for this to matter. You know, when, it, when a quarterback is going to, to hold guys accountable and set it straight, and I feel like that is an off-season thing, that is a training camp thing, that is an everyday thing. So when Johnny Lately comes in here and he starts holding people accountable, to me it's too late in the year for that to actually get through and matter and help you win football games as early as Sunday. Because why? Because it's it's a culture thing. It's a... Uh, you know, it's a, it's it's an everyday thing. It's like if you were fat and someone were to come in there and say, "Hey, here's uh, instead of drinking soda, we're gonna drink water, and here's some grilled chicken." Like you're not gonna get skinny in, for Sunday. You're not gonna be in shape. Well, no, but by the same token, if you take that fat person and say, "You know, we're gonna get a little exercise today," and this is sitting on your butt, and they go out and get a little exercise, they'll come in. Guess what? The next day, they'll say, "Man, I feel so much better." After one day. So, I, I mean, I, I disagree. I think it can have an effect. Now, is it going to be 180 degrees? No. you know. But I think if if they know, if there's been somebody there that's been ugly with their patterns or incorrect or whatever, whatever is wrong, if they know that Tannehill is going to jump them, then they'll, they'll concentrate even more in making sure that doesn't happen. Now, will it still happen? Yeah, it'll happen when, you know, even if you're jumping them. But but instead of it happening, and I have no clue how often or if it ever did, but instead of it happening, you know, four out of ten times, now maybe it's only one out of ten times. So I have another theory, too, behind this. And that is, remember where John Robinson was when Marcus Mariota was drafted? Yeah. He was at Tampa. 
And remember one of the reasons why Tampa picked Winston over Mariota. Yeah. Which was? Leadership. They thought Jameis had the potential to be a better leader than Marcus. Which when you think of the off the field stuff with Jameis, it's pretty amazing. But I do wonder if when John took this job, if he thought, I'm going to surround Marcus with enough accountable leader types Guys that go about their business the right way, that are team leaders, that maybe it negates the lack of what Marcus has. Hence, DeMarco Murray, Jack Conklin, you know, those kind of, the guys that show up and do their business and don't cause any problems. Corey Davis, you know, did J-Rob say, I'm going to put this guy with as many leaders as I can put him with so that his lack of vocal leadership that Matthews points out won't be an issue. Then he hires him a coach who everybody surrounded with anything in football will tell you is the biggest leader of leaders in terms of coaching in Mike Vrabel. And then we get to the point with J-Rob where he thought maybe there was a way that they could work around this issue with Mariota, and now here they are in year five, and J-Rob's looking at it saying, I've tried everything I can do to get him to be this kind of leader or to to offset his lack of ability to hold people accountable. The personality trait he simply doesn't have, and it's just not going to work. Well, I mean, I, I guess all that could be true. I think, I mean, my gut feeling just listening to Matthew's talk is that it's been more likely that John has gone to the coaches. You know, and said, hey, you guys need to remember that this guy coming out didn't have a lot of leadership skill. And so, you know, we need to kind of push that on him if we can push it on him. And, and you know, in meetings or in practice or whenever, they're, they're just throwing things out there kind of like, you know, we got to be, you got to hold these guys accountable for what's going on here. You know, you got to be more demanding. And then they just go on with it. But if you hear that, you know, once every three days for a year, pretty soon all the players are saying, man, they're really, really trying to get this guy to be a, be a vocal leader, and he's just not getting there. Remember who John Robinson brought in to back up Mariota before he even before he even was really the general. I mean, he just took over, and he comes right in, and he brings in Matt Castle. And I think that I think all of this is about the exact thing that Rashard Matthews hit on there that he thinks Tannehill has. And you heard Tannehill say right there, as a backup quarterback, I've had to swallow my tongue on things. I'm not swallowing my tongue anymore because I'm the starter. I think J-Rob brought in Matt Castle. I think J-Rob brought in Mike Vrabel. I think J-Rob brought in all of these guys to try to show Marcus how to be the kind of leader you have to be at that position. Because I'm pretty sure. Matt Castle knows how to be a leader at that position because of whom Matt Castle learned that from. And that's Tom Brady. And so I I think the more that I read into that, the more I think about what all has transpired, going from Tampa Bay not taking him because of that, and then the guys J-Rob has brought in, and then you hear Matthew say that, I'm convinced J-Rob has tried everything he can to work around this with Mariota, and yet the same problems continue to happen where it's the receiver's fault or it's the line's fault or it's this one. And that as the quarterback, he's got to make sure everybody does what they're supposed to do so that ultimately the play works, and it's nobody's fault. And that includes the coordinator. 
you know, you see Brady rip Josh McDaniel's rear end on those sidelines. Now, they, they love each other, but Brady has no problem going to McDaniel's and letting him have it if he's mad at him. And would you ever see Mariota do that to a coordinator? <laughs> no. So I so the, do you buy credence to my theory that J-Rob has tried everything to get this out of him and he can't do it because that's not his personality? I, I don't know. I mean, it could be. But, I, I mean, the truth is, him coming out, they had to know what his personality was. I mean, it wasn't like they were surprised by the fact that, you know, he's a quiet guy. I remember when they lost the first game of kind of that new era. They lost to Minnesota at home. And after the game was over, I remember DeMarco Murray saying something along the lines. DeMarco Murray wearing a suit after the game. DeMarco was saying something along the lines of, I don't care what happened here last year. I don't care how games were played last year. It's damn sure not going to happen this year. And DeMarco kind of walked out. That is exactly why John wanted DeMarco Murray here is because DeMarco probably has that kind of leadership to rally everybody around and say, hey, this is how we're going to do things. And it's why John wanted Matt Castle here so that Matt Castle can say to Marcus in the one-on-one setting, hey, you got to make sure so-and-so knows that they can't do that. And that Matt had to probably stay on Marcus for that. Uh, the more I'm starting to read know, the tea leaves, the more I'm starting to put know, together. Do you know Matt Castle's a great leader? So Castle told a story about Brady one time. And I think this is what J-Rob wanted to get to Mariota. Castle told a story uh, where, I guess, one time in practice, Castle got a rep, and they executed the play, and it was a completion, or it was a touchdown, or it was something. And Castle's celebrating, and Brady just rips Castle a new one because he didn't motion the guy on the other side of the field. And Castle said, Tom, we, we scored the touchdown. And Brady goes, yeah, you scored it this time. But how can you hold everybody accountable if you're not doing your job right? So it was some little minute thing on the other side of the field. Brady, you know, Castle didn't do. And Brady ripped his rear end for it. Which and I, that's what I think, I think John that's... wanted to get through to Marcus. Well, yeah, but you don't know Castle was that guy. I mean, the little bit I was around Castle. I mean, uh, you know what? I didn't. I didn't sense any of that. I mean, they I didn't mean, bring in Castle to play quarterback. No, but I mean, I don't. Did you ever? I mean, going out to practice or anything? Did you ever? I, I never saw him say peep. I mean, I had Castle on the show one time when I was doing it by myself. Nice guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, nothing wrong you know, with that him. Was, I, yeah. I don't know what I'm to interpret saying. from yeah. my interactions. I with agree Castle. with that. Let's get to your phones. We got them loaded. We'll go to your phones on this. 615-737-1025. Again, Rashard Matthews brings up the Mariota leadership thing, which I'm now more willing to discuss. Jared and the GM, uh, the MTSU Blue Raider football team is on the road this Saturday. They're taking on North Texas kickoff at 3 on 1025 The Game and 97.5 in Murfreesboro. It's ESPN 1025 The Game. Injuries have been a part of your past, and sacks have been a problem here. Uh, how do you keep yourself from, I don't want to say, you know, getting killed, but with the sacks being what they are, how do you keep yourself healthy this year? It all works together. You know, a quarterback has to get the ball out, um, the line has to block, and the receivers have to get open. It's a, it's a function of all three working together, and uh, I don't think it's been any one thing so far this season. It's unfortunately been a kind of combination of, of all three things. So um, we all have to control what we can control. And, and execute the way we were coached to and we're expected to. So 
Uh, really, we just need to come together as an offensive unit and, um, and execute. I don't know why I love that answer from Ryan Tannehill, but I do. It's almost like he has an answer to the sacks, and that's all I'm asking for. <laughs> Again, Tannehill, Rashard Matthews saying, hey, Tannehill's going to demand greatness, something that he never really felt like Mariota did a whole lot of. Genuinely was the word. That, I mean, the three words Matthews kept using, uh, genuine, demand, and vocal, were the things he basically was saying Tannehill is and Mariota wasn't. So that's where we are. To your phones, here on Jared and the GM, Jake is going to kick us off on Ryan Tannehill's leadership. Go ahead, Jake. Good afternoon, uh, uh, fellas. I'm, call- I'm calling about uh, Tannehill. Uh, about, about three or four years ago when I was out of town, uh, you know, during training camp or summer training camp, uh, the Miami Dolphins was being shown on ESPN, and, and there was no – well, I and on – uh, Tannehill ripping into a lineman, mm-hmm. ripped him so hard that uh, he that that, that offensive lineman was gone. <laughs> the, the, like I said, the next day he was gone. That was the year when he uh, broke his leg. Tannehill broke his leg. It's pretty kid. So so to let so to let you know, I mean, hopefully it translate here. But yeah, he has that that knack of uh, ripping into. Uh, So, and we talked about this yesterday. Thank you for the call, Jay. We talked about the story last year that came out that Tannehill essentially kicked a running back out of the huddle in an open practice and laid into him in front of everybody because he was mad either that the guy missed a block. I think it was he missed a block and Tannehill got sacked and Tannehill laid into the running back. And we talked about that yesterday. And I do, I mean, I'm still not sure how much at this point that style of leadership is going to help the Titans. I could, You could make the argument that it's too late in the season for it to help. You could make the argument that that will flip everybody's switch, and when the coach talks about looking for a spark, that's exactly what he's talking about, and that'll happen Sunday against the Chargers. I don't know the answer to that. You would know better than I would because you've been around good quarterbacks and you've been around bad quarterbacks, and you've been around guys that had the tools and guys that, you know, whatever. Well, I don't think there's any doubt, but that it'll help. Now, is it going to flip a switch? You know, is there going to be 180 degrees? No. But will it be headed in that direction? Yeah. And that's why, you know, if you're if you're lucky enough, you can find a way to play pretty good for a week or two or good enough to win until that transformation gets completed, then, you know, you may be you may be on your way. But um but I don't think there's any doubt. I mean they're I'm sure they're experiencing a little bit of it right now in practice. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going through practice. Somebody's running the wrong thing or somebody drops a ball or somebody, you know, he's he's looking at them a little funny. Kind of like, wait, you know, what's the problem? And so, uh, you know, that that the word on that gets out pretty quick. Especially when Tannehill said, and we played it in the last segment, but Tannehill said, when I was a backup, I held my tongue. Now I'm leading my way. That, I think, was kind of a big response for Tannehill. At least that's what I took from it. And then in the last one about the sacks, you know, hey, I think it's all about all of us coming together and what we can do. And I think that that's kind of a, hey, I've got the answer to fixing the sacks, which I am just so praying that he has. Tom is up next on Jared and the GM. What's up, Tom? Hey, guys. Uh, Floyd, I'm very interested in this topic. So, uh Give us some insight, because you, as a former GM, you were the guy asking the question when y'all were interviewing, uh, say, Steve McNair. So what types of questions would y'all get to 
to tease out, is this person a leader or is this person not a leader? Or did y'all just rely on film? Give us some insight into that. Thank you, Tom. That's a good question. Yeah, it is a good question. You know where you actually get it more than that is from the environment, you know, from teammates that you know or team or uh, or a trainer you can talk to or an assistant coach that maybe doesn't coach that position, but, you know, still has, an, you know, somebody you can trust that that he knows his his leadership's had an impact on them. Generally speaking, if a guy is a good leader, when you go in to talk to somebody and say, hey, you know, what do you like about this kid? I mean, one of the first two or three adjectives out of the, out of his mouth is going to be he's a great leader. And and if he's not, you know, if that's missing in that first couple of paragraphs, then you kind of back up going, okay, well, what about leadership? You know, so it's something that people quickly point out if it's there. And it's funny because true leadership, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, and I agree with what Matthews just said a minute ago. It's you can't fake it. You can't try to be. Which you have said you about Marcus the whole time when we've brought this subject up. You can't you can't, you know, go out there and say, Okay, today I'm gonna be a leader. I can see that they need shaking up a little bit and all of a sudden start screaming and yelling at people. That's you know, you're gonna get in a fight. Um and and the players know that that is not genuine and then they really, really turn you off. So you have to be sincere and you have to be genuine and you have to do what whatever it is your job is right. I mean, you have to be good at your job. Now, if that's a quarterback, it doesn't mean you have to complete every pass, but it does mean the ball is going where it's supposed to go and that, you know, he's putting it in a spot where you can catch it. And then if you don't catch it, now he's got a right to rip you. And, and I don't blame him at all. Uh, by the same token, if you if if he's throwing the wrong route and you did it right, well, he should expect a little something something too. So you made the decision of McNair over Kerry Collins in picking in the draft, and then you later signed Kerry Collins. So whatever it was that you, I mean, when you were picking at three and you were looking for a quarterback, I mean, you did your research on Collins, right? Oh yeah. I mean, you were because I think Collins went five that year and McNair went three, and so you did your homework on Collins. Was it, was it as simple as were you picking McNair or Collins, or was it Collins not even really in the equation? Well, no. I mean, we were going to pick McNair if we had a choice. Now, but early we, on was Collins in the discussion as far as what you were looking at? I'm just wondering because you obviously signed Kerry Collins, so you believed enough in him from what you had seen in his career and what you had probably gotten to know about him. But what was it about McNair that you said when you met with high school coaches or teammates or whatever, when you were doing all the legwork on drafting Steve McNair, like what was it that made you feel like McNair was going to be a good leader? Oh, McNair ran that entire team. He ran that entire program. I mean, he told everybody what to do on the run. You know, you need to do this and you need to do that. And, yeah, I mean, the huddle was – kind of like McNair describing what he wanted him to do, and then he would get back there and run around with it until they finally get to where they're supposed to be, and he would throw it at to them. You know, I mean, he was, if, uh, I mean, as good a player as he was, and he was, especially at that level, just an outstanding player, um, there was there was absolutely no doubt that he was the focal point, the the everything of that team. 
I mean, he was the best player. He was the quarterback. He was the leader. Uh, he was tough as nails. I mean, it, it was easy. What's tough for me, though, in analyzing that with Marcus, and it's easy to look back on now, but we didn't know that about Oregon football at the time, is Oregon football completely fell apart the second he left. You know, you're talking about McNair was everything to that team. Mariota was the Heisman Trophy winner, and the program completely fell apart when he left. And I'm wondering if, if, you, if you were to use that as a GM when – assessing him and saying he's that entire program in Oregon right now. Well, no, yeah, but you, I mean, there's a difference. I think if you would have gone there, and who, was Chip Kelly? Uh, it was Helfrich. Kelly had left for two years, okay. and Helfrich with well, Mario. Helfrich, and if you, you know, you sit down and talk to him, I'm going to guess. I'm just going to guess. He would tell you, you know, he's a great passer. He's a great guy. He's one of the finest kids you're ever going to meet. You know, he's got a strong arm. He's really athletic. He's really fast. He's really, and forget, you know, some of the other things. 615-737-1025. More of your calls. Plus, with this new leader, Ryan Tannehill, what are the expectations for him now? What are the expectations for the team? And why I think they're, to me, I I have a window for the Titans. I want to get to that coming up next, and we will. Jared and the GM it's ESPN 1025, the game we're streaming on the Game Nashville app. Generally, what do you think are Ryan's football strengths that he's going to bring to you guys? Well, he's a starting quarterback, um, has mobility. I think he's shown that he could stay in the pocket and, and get the ball out. He has some toughness and, you know, a lot of all the same, you know, qualities that every other quarterback has. So I want to believe in Ryan Tannehill. I do. I want to believe that Ryan Tannehill can come in here a la Kerry Collins. When Vince Young got benched, Kerry Collins takes over. You're 13-3, and and you're into the playoffs. Now, Kerry was like 0-6 the next year and got re-benched. But, but I am just hopeful that he can do that. Tommy Maddox with the Steelers. I'm just hopeful that Tannehill can be that guy. But as far as the leadership and the arm strength and all the things people are now caring about that you didn't care about until two days ago, GM, all of those things, to me, i got to see it in two games. These next two games are so critical to the season that if they win the next two, which are two winnable games at home against the Chargers and the Bucks, if they win those two games, then I think you got a shot for the team to believe in Tannehill. That the team will then get behind Tannehill and they will say, this is exactly what we needed. We've got it figured out. We're on our way. Great defense, and now we believe in the quarterback. Because I'm not on the team, but I I heard Kevin Byard say yesterday, you know, we believe in everybody on this team or something like that. Well, that's bull. And I want to believe in Tannehill, but I'm not ready to say that I fully 100% believe in Tannehill. But if you win two games, two winnable games with your defense, then I think you do get people believing in Ryan Tannehill. And if that defense believes in Ryan Tannehill, this team's got a chance. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't disagree at all. If you can win the next two, you you know, you end up four and four halfway through. You like you said, you got a chance. But if nothing changes and you lose, then it's, you know, screw it. Well, losing's gonna be an issue, absolutely. But I think, you know, even when those guys um They'll be able to tell a difference if there's a difference in in what's going on, you know that. And and we said this yesterday. 
He doesn't have to come here and throw for 400 yards. We're not asking that. We're asking him to come in, to be efficient, to be effective, to be able to get the ball out of his hands, get it to the receivers, let him run with the ball, and see what happens. Let's just give it a shot. Let's try to do it right and see what happens. And I think if he can do that, then everybody on this team will be up off of the bench standing on the sidelines wanting to see what's going on next because they're going to be excited about it. So Ryan Tannehill's thrown 123 touchdown passes in his career in 88 starts. So that is 1.4 touchdowns per game. If he can get you 1.4 touchdowns, you know, the rest of the way, if Tannehill gets you 1.4 touchdowns, just throwing it himself, knowing that Derrick Henry's probably going to give you about a half a touch, probably a touchdown or two a game, and your defense is going to create, you're going to kick some field goals. If Tannehill can get you 1.4 touchdowns a game the rest of the way, you're probably going to win a lot of games because your defense doesn't give up 20 points a game. Yeah, I mean, if you can, and and really, I mean, 20 would have won them all. You know, 20, you'd be 6-0. and and nobody's 6-0. So, you know, I mean, you're talking about if you go 17, you're probably 5-1. and one. Now, I haven't looked at the numbers to, to verify that, but you're still in pretty good shape. And so, you know, you're saying to yourself, hey, we're not asking you to come in and score 30 points. Although there'll be some games down the line, you're going to have to. But let's just start off, you know, with 17. Let's see if we can get 17. If we can get 17, maybe we got a chance to win. And uh, and I think if they can get that much of it done, I mean, just imagine the defense. How much better they didn't. Forget the guys on offense. We know they'll feel better. But that defense, actually be able to sit on the sidelines and watch them move the ball, that'd be a thrill. Or the defense to be able to play a one-dimensional team. You know, when you're down 6 nothing to the Broncos, Denver can do whatever they want. They can throw it. They can run it. They can run an end around. They can run a trick play. They, Denver can do whatever they want. Right. You know, I think there was like a fourth a fourth down. Bayard made an incredible tackle on a third down. And, you know, the Titans defense all put up their fists for fourth down. And I'm thinking to myself, if you're Fangio, you might go for this because there is no penalty to giving the Titans the ball at midfield right now. Now, in Fangio's, I wouldn't have done it because if I'm Fangio, I'll punt that ball down there and make Tennessee march 80 yards into the end zone because there's no way they're going to do it. But I I at least, you know, would, would think of that. There's one thing Rashard Matthews said about Mariota that did bother me. And it's the way Matthews said it today on the Midday Show, kind of former Titan receiver Rashard Matthews played both in Miami with Tannehill and in Nashville here with Mariota. Uh, now, I think he kind of misused his words and corrected himself on this, but the gist of what Matthew said about the difference between the offseason with Tannehill and Mariota, this bothered me about Mariota because we harped on this a lot, and the Titans would publicize when Marcus would do this, but Matthews was talking about the difference in playing with a demanding guy like Tannehill than playing with Mariota. When I was with Ryan, he used to make us go out there twice a week you know, in the offseason and go run routes and, and- get on the same page and do these things, you know. And, you know, uh, otherwise it was like once a weekend when I was in Tennessee, but, you know, not once a weekend, but once in the offseason when I was in Tennessee. And that's just like, it's hard to it's hard to get chemistry that way. So the way Matthew said it, you know, was it sounds like Marcus would call the guys up, hey, on June 27th we're going to go run routes. Whereas Tannehill was like, hey, every weekend we're going to run routes. Now correct me if I'm wrong. 
But they used to write all these articles about, hey, Marcus is in L.A. with Davis and Taewon, and they're all in L.A. working out. Marcus got the receivers together, and they... That's not the way Rashard Matthews made it sound to me. And I got a problem with that because if you want to be a franchise quarterback in this league and Tom Brady is taking Edelman and Amendola and Keneal Harry and he's taking them out to Montana to go work out and you're spending one day out of the offseason? Answers a lot of questions, though. I mean, you're wondering why nobody's on the same page. I mean, I just saw your face when we played that clip. That's... If that's true, that's just so disappointing to me. Because here's a guy fighting for his life, you know, his career. And it's like he's wondering what's going on. Well, I'll tell you what's going on. You know, if you're working one day on a weekend, you're lazy. That's what's going on. And what kills me about that is it doesn't sound like Mariota's a lazy guy. It doesn't sound like Mariota's not willing to put the work in. I mean, every coach he's ever been around has said, hey, no one is in here more than Mariota. No one is competitive more than Mariota. But there's a whole different story when it is, hey, get your guys together and every day I'm going to, again, going back to accountable and demanding and genuine, the words, the buzzwords that Matthews used a lot, that is really disappointing to hear that from Matthews. If you're not willing to work in the offseason – with with receivers, after all the issues they've had, I mean, them not being on the same page has been maybe the number one issue for the last four years. Well, if you're not willing to work in the off season, uh, how much are you putting into it during the season? Are you telling me all of a sudden in camp comes you're really going to turn it on and you catch fire and you're going to watch the extra you know, 30 hours of film a week you got to watch? I'm going to guess not if you're not willing to work in the offseason. So I don't know. And, again, no coach can ever come out and criticize the quarterback or the receivers for not doing more in the offseason because the second you do that, the union will, you know, they'll be right up your rear end. You know, if Vrabel were to come out and say, you know, I'm really disappointed because – the receivers and Marcus got together one day in the offseason. When I played in New England, Tom Brady got those guys together all the time. Uh, you know, the union would come after Vrabel, and, you know, you'd have Demoris Smith, and now Goodell would be calling Vrabel and saying, hey, we can't tell you that to players it's about where it is. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. I mean, th- see, this is what I hate about – this is what I hate. Th- and this goes back to my childhood, Okay. And this is something I got a problem. Like the TSSAA has a dead period. And I'm sure there's the right reason for why they have the dead period. But why? You know, like, I, when, like why? If a kid, and I feel the same way about college, and I feel the same way about the NFL. If I want to go practice on my time, why can't I go practice on my time? What? It's June 17th. I start football in two months. I'm in the middle of a contract year. Wouldn't it be a good idea for me to go work on my technique with my coaches? Like, wh- why, why wouldn't I do that? Well, but you, you're not allowed to. Yeah, you can work. You just can't work with the coaches. <laughs> why can't I? How <laughs> did it feel like if it starts that way, then all of a sudden it's extra mini camps and you're having practices and, uh, you know, they just think it's going to escalate. So Joe Retro texts me. 
and says, you're taking Rashard Matthews' gospel. You think the stories written about those other workouts in L.A. were made up? Guys talked all the time about the workouts with Mariota, and everyone in the building says he works as hard as anyone. Again, him working hard and him getting the receivers together throughout the course of the summer are two totally different things. Right. I mean, I didn't read any stories about Ryan Tannehill getting his guys together, but apparently it happened. And I'm going to guess it's not made up if Matthews is saying it. Now, look, do I think Matthews is a little crazy? Yeah. That's why I made sure I listened to the interview because I wondered if if Matthews was going to go off the handle at some point and say something crazy. But I took a lot away from the Matthews interview on the Midday Show. Sorry if you don't like Richard Matthews. And I don't really like Richard Matthews as a titan, you know, for the way he left the team. But, uh, but, but to me, like, yeah, I take what, he's, I take what he said with, with – I mean, I, I buy into that. Coming up next, we'll get to your phone, 615-737-1025. Eddie George weighs in on the Titans' latest quarterback move. You know, hey, speaking of Floyd of uh, Richard Matthews, like what place would you say on all-time great Titans Richard Matthews sits? Like 1,977? And then you've got Eddie George, you know, who is 1A or 1B yeah. in terms of all-time great. What Eddie George had to say, we'll get to that coming up next here on Jared and the GM. Authentically American. That's right. I take authentically American as gospel. Why? Because I wear authentically American clothes. I love authentically American. And if you give them a try, you will too. When something is made in the USA, you know it's a better product than when it's made overseas. That's something that's great about authentically American. Everything that they have is made in the USA, especially the polos I like so much, which have that moisture wicking fabric and the no roll collar. They've got everything, big or small, they've got it for you. If you're looking to outfit your business, They've got it. If you're looking for sweat ink, that's right. They've got it. AuthenticallyAmerican.us. Use my name, Jared, at checkout for a promo code. J-A-R-E-D. My name, Jared, at checkout for a 20% off promo code. That's right. 20% off your entire order with my name, Jared, J-A-R-E-D. That's Authentically American online at AuthenticallyAmerican.us. Jared, the GM. It's ESPN 1025, the game.